Welcome to The Frenzy. I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. The Frenzy's mission is to celebrate friendships over 40. We believe that women can thrive through authentic relationships, self-discovery, and spiritual exploration. Our decades-long friendship continues to grow because we are willing to go there and share our truths through life's highs and lows. That's why The Frenzy is here, to hold space for women who are 40 and older, because at this age, your story matters more than ever. I'm Melissa, and my son is so used to us using Instacart for our groceries, because I did it through the pandemic, that now when I mention, hey, you want to go to the grocery store, he's like, why don't they just deliver it? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Let's just have it delivered. (laughs) These are the things that our kids are going to come to expect, Melissa. I have spoiled my son, Rotten. He just assumes food is delivered to his door. It just shows up in the food fairy (laughs) truck. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, let me open my front door. Look at there. There's my feast for the evening. Fantastic. Yes. This is how life happens. (laughs) That's so cute. I'm Jen, and I use the parking brake every time I park my car. I do too. You do? Yes. Thank goodness, because my husband thinks I'm crazy, but I I don't know why. I just feel more secure. You can put, you can apply, you tell your, okay, tell your husband (laughs) when you go out in the driveway, okay? One has a parking brake on, one does not, and push the car. And you can move one of the cars that doesn't have the parking brake on, and you can't move the car that has the parking brake on. That's what I say. And it just makes me feel more secure. And he's like, you're only supposed to use that on a hill. And I'm like, I use it wherever I am because it just makes me feel like the car isn't going to jiggle. No, I do. I, I, he's crazy. <laughs> he's crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Sweet. No, I, no, I do it too. Is it only supposed to be tonight. for the hill? Really? Because, well, and you know, I got in the habit too, because I, I had a, um, a hybrid car and I don't know if you've ever had a hybrid. I have. But if you don't apply, like if you, when it shuts that motor off, it can roll if you don't have the, the brake applied all the way. Yes. Maybe that's where we got started and, and I, then the habit I just, never ended. Yeah. Cause I just made sure to keep that car secure anyway. So Is I do your parking brake, the handle kind or the foot kind. Mine's the hand, the handle, like the a handle hot, where you like go, the Hot Wheels car. Right. So when the Hot Wheels car, yes, or not the Hot Wheels car. I'm sorry. The big wheel, the big wheel that you could spin had the little brake. Yep. Every time I pull it up, I think of big wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you put your car in a park and then your arm automatically goes to lift it up. It's like it's automatic movement. Yes. It doesn't yep. feel right if it's not. Same for me. I put it into park, but mine's the foot kind. So I uh-huh. put it into park and then yeah. slam on that foot thing. And then I feel like I can get out of the car. My husband thinks I'm nuts. I don't. <laughs> I'm with you, sister. If you're so nuts, glad. I'm in the nut house with you. See, this is why the <laughs> frenzy is here. See. We yes. can't have these men making us feel like we're crazy. No, <laughs> even if we are doing it wrong, you know That's what? That's true. I'd, I'd rather be wrong than park and brake right. All right. So coming up <laughs> on today's episode, we are not talking about parking brakes. We're going to talk about middle <laughs> age. Oh, the dreaded words, but a reality uh, that we're hoping to reframe here on The Frenzy. How can we celebrate our lives during our 40s and 50s with excitement, laughter, and hope for a bright future? 
And we are going to dig deep and really go there today about our own experiences so far with quote unquote middle age and see what struggles have come up because we're thinking we're clearly not alone in this. And how are we dealing with them? We're going to offer each other some sincere and honest and hopefully humorous advice on our next steps because uh, Melissa and I aren't afraid to make fun of ourselves. That's right. Yes. And coming up, don't miss it because Melissa Carter is going to answer the frenzy five. I am finally. And the frenzy now has a private Facebook page. We have a Facebook group. Okay. It's a private group. It's a safe community to celebrate friendships over 40, make new friends too. So sign up for our email newsletter to get the invite. That's the only way you're going to get a link to that private group. And have you subscribed to the Frenzy Podcast yet? If not, please do and leave us a review. It helps us out a lot. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to podcasts. And if you enjoy this episode of the Frenzy, please, please share it with a friend. We would love for more women like you to find out about our show. So, Jen, we are going to dive into the modern midlife crisis uh, conversation here in a minute. (laughs) But first, let's thank our sponsor. Just heard your friend, neighbor, or colleague has been diagnosed with cancer? Your first instinct is, what can I do? Kick It Pajamas is the answer. Kick It sells pajamas, gowns, and other accessories specifically designed for those going through cancer treatment. Go to kickitpajamas.com and use the code FRENZY to get 10% off. That's kickitpajamas.com, code FRENZY for 10% off. Give the gift of comfort and style. Kick It Pajamas. Let's kick cancer off the planet. Hey, it's Melissa. My family has a history of vascular disease, so I make a point to get my vascular system checked through life screening each year. The health of your arteries is important and it's critical to understand your risk of stroke and cardiovascular disease. With a simple preventative screening, I get peace of mind or early detection so that I can take action. Since 1993, Lifeline Screening's highly experienced staff has screened over 10 million people in order to bring awareness to potential health problems for follow-up with your physician. To find out more, go to LifelineScreening.com. That's LifelineScreening.com and be sure to use the code FRIENDS. That's Frenzy without the Y. So that's F-R-I-E-N-D-Z. Melissa, let's talk midlife crisis. Is it a midlife crisis or a midlife opportunity? Okay. Yes. Um, so I like I, how you think, Jen Hobby. Okay. So I think this is interesting. So we've both been experiencing some things I think that would be related to midlife. And so I went and put a Google on it. And what, like, how do you define a midlife crisis? Are you ready? I thought ready? you might, might giggle <laughs> ready, over yes. this definition. Okay. Yes. A midlife crisis is a transition of identity and self-confidence that can occur in middle-aged individuals, typically 45 to 65 years old. The phenomenon is described as a psychological crisis brought about by events that highlights a person's growing age inevitable mortality and possibly lack of accomplishments in life. Oh God. (laughs) I was like, ouch. Okay. It says this may produce feelings of intense depression, remorse, anxiety, or the desire to achieve youthfulness or make drastic changes to their current lifestyle. Okay. And then a thorough definition, it goes on to say that studies on midlife crises show that they're actually less common 
than popularly believed. Good. So it goes into this study that they did over 75 years in 2012. They got the results from it. But basically, not everybody has a midlife crisis. So that's good. Good. Um, But if you do, they say that midlife crises last about three to 10 years long in men and for two to five years in women. Good. Okay. Shorter for Italy. Yeah. There's a yep. glass hole. So they say it could be caused by aging itself or in combination with other things like work or career, mm-hmm. spousal relationships, uh, maturing of children, uh, aging or death of parents, mm-hmm. and then physical changes associated with aging. And I think all of those things we've talked about at some point on the frenzy, work or career, relationships, children. Uh, aging parents or, you know, parents who have passed and physical changes. So I think we're, uh, we're right in there on some of the things we're talking about, but do those things have to cause a crisis? Right. Or is there a midlife crisis redefined? So I want to get your thoughts on this. Yes, I think we can redefine it. We're going to do it here on the frenzy, but I want to simplify everything you just said into two things. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think the term midlife crisis came from us making fun of men leaving their wives for younger women, right? That's to me, I remember that that's where the term really came into the vernacular and buying race cars and buying race cars. So it's about men who can't handle their age. So we said he must be having a midlife crisis. If he buys a sports car and gets a young wife and you knew Mm -hmm. he trades in his old wife for a new wife, trades in his old car for a new car. Right. And then this, the other thing is I think that what (laughs) for women, Midlife crisis means I don't look the same in pictures that I did before. Right. I don't care what your body type is. You see changes that you can't as easily adjust that you could in your 20s and 30s. Okay. These wrinkles in my forehead. You're starting to look older Uh in your pictures and, and, and you're starting to reflect your own parent in your pictures. That's what really bothers people, women. I don't know about guys, but women our age, you're starting to look like your mother or your grandmother, whoever you favor. And that's when it starts hitting you like, wait a second. (laughs) Hold on a minute. Where did these thighs come from? (laughs) (laughs) What is happening to my body? So anyway, so I think that's what triggers it. I mean, so again, I think the crisis, I I do think we need to drop that word because it shouldn't be a crisis. Yeah. It seems like something really drastic is going to happen. Right. But I think a midlife reexamination, I don't know, maybe today we'll come up with a new word. Well, so here's my theory, okay? And I've told you in this off air, and here's my theory. So when, just imagine, remember, when you were a senior in high school or a senior in college, if you didn't go to college, you were, you know, whenever you were leaving home and there was a sense of excitement, there was a sense of, I get to choose whatever it is I want to do. There was a sense of my life is ahead of me. And that's the language people always said to you is your life, your whole life is ahead of you, kid. Go out and grab it and, you know, take life for what it is or whatever. And so you went, that's how you felt. It didn't matter what your accomplishments were in high school. It didn't matter who you dated. It, uh, you right. didn't think about those things. You thought about the future. The only, you had no rear view mirror. It was just the future. The problem is that people didn't tell you when you were 18 and 22 that that future that you're planning is probably only going to last about 20 years. And so because the future for a lot of people had to do with job. But if it was your marriage or, you know, your children. But 20 to 25 years is the probably the lifespan of what you were doing if you were lucky. 
And so here I am, 22-year-old Melissa, so excited. And then I get my career in broadcasting, and then I am done with it in my 40s. And so that's the time where, I think, to your point, a lot of people start reflecting on, wait a second, what do I do now? And instead of taking the opportunity to be 22 again and think, okay, well, that that time period is expired. Now it's time for something new. Now I get to be excited again. Now I get to choose what I want to do. This time you have more money than you did when you were 18 and 22 years old. So you really can have the power because you have a network and you have a wealth that you didn't have before. You can really do anything you want to do. And you still have 20 or 30 years left in the future to be able to accomplish these things. But somehow we don't see that as a second I don't know, 2.0 or a second generation of your career or whatever it is, even marriage, some marriages end in your forties and and you think, Oh, what could have been or what should have been and all this. No, guess what? You got 20, 30 years left to go find somebody else if that's what you want to do. So I just really think that the problem is we thought that everything we planned for at 22 is going to last the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And they, so it goes to that list you gave. You thought your parents would always be in your life. No, they pass away. You thought your children would always be in your life if you started having them. No, they, they leave. They go and have their own lives. You thought your marriage would last. No, sometimes they don't. You thought your job would last. No, it doesn't. So the thing is, nobody explained to you that it's okay for things to end. It's okay for it because mm-hmm. in this life, everything ends everything. That's the definition of being a human being in my, in my wisdom, as I've gotten older, being a human means everything ends, but that's okay because that gives you the motivation to really appreciate it while it's here. And so it's okay for things to have gone away. Now it's time to rebuild something else, to do something else with your life. And it should be exciting. But for a lot of people, it goes back to that reflection of, why did it end? I've mourned the I've mourned the loss. Now I have to hang on to something that doesn't exist anymore. And that's a waste of life in my yeah, point of view. It will and two things. It's okay to mourn things that that leave, but don't stay there. Right. Right. Move through that feeling. Like it's okay to mourn your parents. It's okay mm-hmm. to mourn that your kids are off to college or or you know, off to start their own lives or their own families. It's okay to mourn. Um, you know, a job that's gone away or anything in your life, a marriage, anything that's, that's gone away, just don't live in it. Right. right. Just like keep trying to keep moving through it and learn from it and stay positive on the other side of it. So that's one thought I had. And then we live longer, Yeah. (laughs) right? Like midlife crisis now, if we're defining it as 45 to 65, we'll shoot people leave, live in well into their nineties. Yes. So we're living a lot longer, like, you know, 65 as age for retirement is arbitrarily chosen because people used to die all the time at 75. That's correct. Like that was your last 10 years of life. But guess what? There's a lot more now. We take better care of ourselves. We eat, you know, as long as we're exercising and eating healthy and regularly getting our doctor checkups, our life expectancy is a lot longer than it used to be. Absolutely. 65 is sort of this arbitrary time of retirement, which really isn't real life I don't plan, anymore. I don't plan on retiring at 65. No, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't think right now, I mean, things could change, you know, by that time, but I don't think so either. Yeah. I want to feel still excited and motivated about whatever it is I'm doing, whether I'm earning a paycheck from it or not. I still want to wake up with purpose every day. And I think work gives people a lot of purpose. Yeah. Whatever it is that gives you purpose is what you should do. I I think 
that's why I think you should be excited. But we, you know, so you have, we've covered the fact that you have a chance to choose something new. You have a chance to get out there and, and do whatever it is you want to do. You do. I mean, uh, there are people that are probably arguing with us right now, but no, Mm -hmm. Melissa, you don't understand, but your attitude towards life, you, your vibe attracts your tribe. Okay. That should be a mantra, but it's not. I I saw it on a candy wrapper. (laughs) Honestly, I saw it on on a chocolate candy wrapper. That should be today's mirror mantra. (laughs) I do have another one, but your vibe attracts your tribe. So that your vibe in life is what you get. So if you're a naysayer, that's exactly what's going to happen. If you're drama, you're going to get drama. If you want peace and be a peaceful person, <laughs> there you're getting extra mirror mantra today. But it's just, you can't, that's the other thing too, is midlife does not give you the excuse to use your wisdom to be a pessimist. Mm. I'm just going to say it flat out. Ooh, that's good. Yes, you're right. Your wisdom does not allow you the it, to be a pessimist because that's not what wisdom is supposed to be about. I, my son, bless his heart, is a perfectionist and I am trying to plant the seeds that perfection is not, is not the way to go because the thing is he is a perfectionist. You're always focusing on what's not happening. What's not making it perfect. What's the problem? And I'm telling him, honey, you'll be a lot more happy in life if you focus on what went right and build on what was right and quit focusing on what went wrong. And that's what a lot of people do, especially if you don't have a purpose, like Jen said, if you sit around, if, if your children are gone to college or whatever, you did your job, you should be congratulate yourself. You should reward yourself. But instead you sit around and you're sad about it. The whole point of you being a parent was to get them out in the world. That's your, that's the purpose. And so if you don't find another purpose after they're gone, if they were your purpose, then you're going to sit around. And when you sit around, you become a pessimist. I mean, it, it, you can't sit around and do nothing and expect to be happy. And that's and the thing. I think I, yeah. the, the transition for your kids when they do grow up is to become their friend Mm -hmm. because you should raise them in my opinion, as a parent and teach all those things. And then when that's done, then you get to be their friend. And if you stay in that role of continually parenting them as adults, they will start to push you away. Absolutely. I have witnessed that with friends in my life, other people in my life who have parents who still try to parent them when they are parents themselves and it's like, let it go. You know, you did your job. You got to make that transition to become friends. All right, Melissa, I've got a question for you. Let's go through some of these different areas of a typical midlife crisis, (laughs) but we're going to call a midlife opportunity. And I want to know if you've had, um, in these five areas an experience you'd want to highlight and talk about that's happened to you personally during this time, um, work or career, relationships. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, we both have young children, so the children thing doesn't count for us yet. Right. Right. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be there in a few more years. Yes. Um, Easy for you to say, Jen and Melissa, your children are still in elementary school. I know. I know. <laughs> aging or death of parents and then, or physical changes associated with age. Which one of those five would you want to highlight? I've had all of them, but all I, of them. <laughs> um, except for the children part, but I, one I have not talked about is work. Um, okay. Something I was thinking about this morning. Let's one, talk about it. One of the challenges with the work is I admittedly have been spoiled. Um, and I say spoiled. I've earned my success. I am proud of my accomplishments and my talent. But I have been spoiled by the fact that when I was younger, those accomplishments and talents attracted people and attracted opportunities. 
And since the pandemic, so I chose to work from home and that decision, uh, you know, I think contributed to the fact that I was laid off from the company that I was working for. And since I took that opportunity to create my own LLC and to do media services for people where I am the boss. So I am the one in charge of everything that's going on, which is awesome. Hashtag boss lady. That's right. So I, and it's the first time in my life I've ever done that. And I'm like, man, I thought I'd done that in my thirties, you know, I, <laughs> right, I, I, right. I mean, living a different lifestyle right now, but, um, so I, so I do that. I do that because, um, for two reasons, one, because of my son and I wanted to give him the opportunities that my mother gave me, which is being accessible so that if he, if he throws up at school that I, he has somebody that is immediately going to be able to be there. Not that Katie wouldn't, but you know, Katie's schedule is tighter than mine and uh, she is her own boss as well. But we just wanted him to be able to not feel like he can't get to his parents if he needs to. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things my mother gave to me because my father traveled a lot. And so um, I wanted to give it that to him, but also because of my age. So going to the point, I have tried <laughs> to, um, to build upon this freelance company. And I have noticed that despite my talent and despite my wisdom and despite my experience, I have really seen a turn away from most people because of my age. And I think it's also because of my gender. I think a middle-aged woman is not attractive for people to work with, especially in any kind of technological background. So I have noticed that, mm. I mean, there's been gaming companies that I have tried to work with. There has been um, some writing assignments, but have been for pop culture assignments have been for, um, again, more youthful things like comic books or anime. Like I have really tried to pursue editing and writing jobs. And I notice that I am completely ignored. Even if I get the first conversation, I get ghosted right after that. And I have actually taken off the graduation year off my resume of when I graduated at UT. Interesting. And so, really? and so, so I am here to warn women <laughs> that mm -hmm. especially women, I don't know if it happens to men too, but I doubt it happens to men as much as it happens to women or as early. I think that you really need to prepare yourself for the time in your life where your age is going to be in the workforce a hit against you. Because I, I mean, I've even reached out to people who I know. But I've noticed that since I'm not on morning radio and I'm in my 50s, that I have been ghosted and it has been silent, unlike it's ever been in my life. So I will say the biggest impact, like, yes, I, you know, my body and yes, you know, I did lose my, both my parents are gone. So I'm officially an orphan. I mean, like that's something you do, but that's part of life. Mm -hmm. The part of law and I don't look as good in, in pictures. Like I'm always disappointed when, you know, there's pictures taken. I'm like that. No, I, I that's not how I look. <laughs> yes, it is. But it's, but yes, the work part is the one that's more stunning to me than anything else, because it's like, it doesn't matter what you've been able to do. I have had the hardest time trying to build an empire uh, and it's much harder now to do than it used to be. Okay. So question for you, because we talk about, you know, stop lying about your age on yep. frenzy all the time. Right. Right. We talk about claiming our age, reclaiming it, redefining yep. it. 
Sorry. How do we redefine that for work or career and where we don't feel like we have to hide it or take it off our resume? Because mm-hmm. to me, especially for women at this point, you've got so much more experience. You know how to get the job done. You're efficient because you have other things going on in your life. So to me, women that have had careers up until this point are just highly productive worker bees. You know how to do it better. So how do we go forward proving to employers or contractors or clients that at this age, we're better than ever? Well, I think we don't give up. I mean, that's one of the things. The difference Mm -hmm. between what I'm going through and what another woman might go through is the fact that I, it's a challenge, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I I will not be ignored. No, but it's the, yeah, that's good. Because I think that men understand playing the odds better because they learned that in dating, right? The more Mm -hmm. women you ask out, the more that's going to say yes. So just play the odds. Well, that's what I'm doing is I just play that somebody, you know, something's going to come up, something's going to happen. I, I don't lose hope that something is still going the right place and the right people um, will connect and things will, will open up in the future. But it is truly a test of your stamina, the older you get to where you don't start feeling bad about yourself. So I think that uh, women need to be managers because most of the people that I'm asking these jobs from are men. Um, and especially in my field, it's younger men. And we hear that all the time. I mean, that's not a new thing that, you know, Mm -hmm. new managers come in, new young people, and, and they don't want to hire older people. Um, but I think that you, we have to change the conversation about age is what we're doing. I think just the culture that age should not be a bad thing that a 50 something year old woman, when they see on paper that I'm 50 something years old without seeing me first, because on a piece of paper, they can't see me. And so, I I think that they have this idea in their mind of what a 50 year old woman looks like or acts like, you know, like a grandmother, which even though she's a grandmother, that's fine. But it's just this, this mother, like some men can't get out of their minds that a woman is an employee or, or a collaborator or a partner. They think of her as either a mother or someone to have sex with. And I think that sometimes the 50 something year old women, they think you're not anybody to have sex with then they're, you know, they don't want them around the office. And so it's just, I think women need to be managers. I think women need to stop lying about their age and being afraid of this because we collectively can change this conversation and pressure Mm -hmm. people instead of me and somebody else just one at a time, you know, being separated and conquered because we're doing it by ourselves. I don't know if that made any sense, but I think we changed the culture by telling our stories. I agree. And I think that we have to defy that ageism that is in the workplace just by you, like what you said, not giving up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder if we brought up that conversation in the midst of career conversations, if it would be addressed or ignored, you know, like if you had an interview could you bring up age as a question or could you bring it up as an asset? I mean, if I got the interview, yes. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is I don't even get that long conversation. You know, I, I, <laughs> I did, but I did. I had one interview and it was a fun, it was a fun freelance job. So again, all I'm searching for is more just to supplement the freelance company. Mm-hmm. And so it's just to pad different things. So it's not, it's not something that would be, um, a, a, a huge investment for the company 
to add me on because we're just partners in a freelance contract. And there was one that, I mean, we had a great time talking with each other and it was, it was, you know, something that was more of a, you know, humorous kind of thing that I would be doing. And then I didn't hear from them again. And I just, you know, and I, even in the interview, you know, I talked about my experience. I talked about the companies I worked for. I talked about the influence I had, but again, I think the guy couldn't get past. I mean, I, now I legitimately maybe didn't qualify for it, but just the fact that I don't even get a response. That's the thing is I just think that there is, we've, we've lost, um, courtesy. Mm -hmm. Just say, yeah, we, we've, we went a different direction. It, it just reach out to me. But the fact that it is truly just dismissive is it shows you there's even more of a visceral reaction to we don't want to hire her and so i think that's the, the ghosting that, is the rude part right and, I, Where you're and like, I, we, yes. we don't even like professionally follow up anymore we just ghost we just ghost, ghost. people personally and professionally it's, that's it's, sad it's unprofessional and also i wonder if they do that to everybody and is again that is a stark difference than the first 25 years of my career. Like even if somebody didn't want to work with me or I wasn't the right fit, there was still an enthusiastic, Hey, let's not lose touch. Maybe something in the future, you know, let's, let's, this, let's make sure this connection stays because I find you valuable enough to be in my network. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not even getting a hint of that now. And I, and again, I, I literally in the past year have approached dozens of people and it's the same response. And so I can't help but think the different only difference right. is, is my age. Now, I'm not on the air anymore either, because for a lot of people, I have no if I'm not on the radio, then I mean, I'm not important. But that's a few. That's not everybody. I think everybody is having a problem with the 50 something year old woman trying to work with them. Does it make you self-reflect to do any sort of shift like career shift completely absolutely yes i have okay. been, yes so one of the things that i've thought because again you don't give up on yourself and it, and i'm a true believer that not only does your vibe attract your tribe but also you got to read the signs like if i'm if i'm if i'm driving on down a road I, i'm not familiar with like life i've got to read the road signs to see where i'm going and if it's constantly like nope 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 then at some point I'm going to say, okay, well then what do I need to be doing? Let's turn down a different street where, where a different there's a lot street. more yes signs. Yeah, exactly. And so that is part of the inner conversation I'm having with myself is, okay, well, what is it? You know, let's just stop, stop the ball. Listen, the ball's not rolling anymore. Let's just stop it. And let's see what, what is your spirit calling you to do? And that's, and that's a question I have not answered yet. Um, and so once that happens, because I, I'm truly believe that something big is going to happen, but I don't know what that path is going to be, because I think that by doing what I've always done, it's not working anymore. And so the same with the midlife crisis, like doing what you've done is not working anymore in any of these facets. So you've got to right. redefine yourself. And sometimes it's hard and it's not hard, because I'm willing to do it. The problem is I'm so used to doing the same, you know, what I've been doing for 25, 30 years that it's the, like, oh, I get the, to choose. Right. Get, the change is scary. What do I want? Yeah. It's like, what change do I is, want? Is, yeah. It's like, first of all, yeah. How do you even define what you want? Wh which direction to go? And Melissa, you're so creative and you have so many different potential avenues you could go down, but it's like, do you want that creativity to be your job? Or is that the fun side of you? You know, do right. you go down this road? Do you, you know, does your career have to 
support you and fill you up and make you feel good? Or does it just need to be a paycheck? There's a lot of different conversations and those answers aren't the same for everybody. It's not a cookie cutter. It's not a cookie cutter approach for each and every person. And that's the other thing too. And we're going to get to you, Jen, because I want to know which one on that list that you've struggled with. But the final thought is that's the other thing about being a woman at this age who you know, you're frustrated by this age for whatever reason is the fact that it is not cookie cut is personalized to you. And you have permission mm-hmm. to look at yourself and customize your life to f- suit your needs. And it's hard for a lot of women who've surrounded themselves with people who they've been a doormat for basically. And I'm saying that from experience, you know, the fact that I have exuded energy for people to make their lives easier and it's not seen as that. It's just seen as, oh, it's it, you're just expect it's expected. Then I end up resentful because it's you don't thankless. appreciate my effort. It's, it's a thankless job. But I yeah. put myself in that situation. I I train those people to look at me that way. Hmm. Right. And so I think that I also have to reflect on the people in my life and how much energy I spend on those people. Because the thing is, I number one want to have self-respect you know, exaggerated in myself, but I also want my son to respect me because if I, I, the last thing I want to do is teach him that women are doormats. Mm-hmm. And I, even though he gets groceries delivered to him without having to go to the grocery <laughs> store, but other than that, <laughs> I'm trying, you know, at some point he's going to respect me, but anyway, but now Jen, for you in your forties on that list, which one do you find the biggest struggle or one you want to talk about? I wanted to choose something different from you because I thought that'd be more interesting to talk about. But truly, I think the biggest struggle for me is career career. uh, because I'm still working in terrestrial radio, which has been a it's been changing. You know, the whole media landscape of everything changes a lot. And it's like, you know, how do you adapt and change with it? The Frenzy podcast and birthing this with you is part of that. So I get excited about what is next, but I don't know what is next. And I think the biggest shift for me came in not defining success by the same measurements as I once did. So to me, my, a lot of my life has been about achievement and, you know, climbing some sort of career ladder, right? It's just like Mm -hmm. always evolving and going and growing and always evolving and growing and going. And I've reached this stage of my career where I don't know where to grow next. Right. And I know that that growth is going to be necessary for me to still enjoy it, but it feels like it's plateaued. And so that's why I get super excited each week when we get to record new episodes for the (laughs) frenzy, because I'm like, this is new. Podcasting is new. We're still learning this whole world. And, um, you know, behind the scenes, it's It's a challenge, right? right? It's a new challenge and new opportunities are coming up and things are coming our way, or we're meeting and interviewing some of the coolest, most interesting people. And that fills my career bucket more than what has in the past. And so- Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's really trying to figure out where does my career path go next? Because it is a big part of how I define myself and I've never taken a break for children. And so I think that that's just part of who I am. But then I've also also often thought like, what if I could take a step back and a break and be able to focus on my kids more? That would be really exciting and cool too, but I don't know how 
I don't well, know how to do that. <laughs> well, is it when it's just like you don't know? And the other thing is, and it, this may affect other people's careers the same as ours because life has changed and post-pandemic life has changed. But yeah. it's also difficult for us too because our what we were successful in is no longer as successful as it used to be. Right. right the, in, the entire industry has changed. It's, That's true. And so it, many industry ha industries have changed. But that adds to the struggle of the I don't know is like, for instance, you talk about my uh, being, being artistic. So when I was younger, one of the things I wanted to do um, while we were doing morning radio was I thought it would be really cool to do a comic strip. Now, back in the day, comic strips were a big thing. They were in all newspapers and there was a structure on how to submit and there was a structure on how to get there and the politics and everything. But by the time I was ready and thinking about doing it, that industry was dwindling and ready. So I, I think mm -hmm. I think the interesting thing is I also have to read the signs because I can't hang on to what because my I work better in a structure I need to know the steps in order to achieve mm -hmm. and the problem with redefining your career which is okay because it's an opportunity not a problem is I'm having to learn that there's no structure or I have to make the structure and I I don't know how to do that either but it is something again this is where the crossroad is in midlife midlife it's not a crisis it's a decision right. It's a, it's a fork in the road. I said crossroads and I gave a fork in the road on YouTube. Uh, it's a fork in the road. You get to choose whether you're going to sit and, and whine or you're going to turn pivot and, and create a brand new 20, 30 years of life. I agree. Cause I feel like anybody who sits stagnant in something that they're not excited about, that they're not happy about, there's going to be something it's like, it's like water, right? If you just leave water in a dish and it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't move, it just gets like moldy and gross and bacteria grows it, on it in and nature, it just gets toxic. In, right? it, in nature, it's in nature, stagnant water is swamp land. Yeah. And moving water is the ocean. Either you be the swamp or you be the ocean. Or the river. Or, you know, right. if if water is moving, and that's how I feel like in career life, if you're if you're moving in one direction or another, it's good because if things are flowing, energy is flowing. Uh, when you feel stagnant, it's not it's not a great place to be. So right. I'd like to get unstagnetized. <laughs> is well, that a word? Yeah. I, <laughs> I have a friend, I have a friend, I have a friend who recently went to the doctor. She's older than me. Went recently went to the doctor and the doctor's like, you have, you have, you're crossing the border of diabetes and it can be easily reversible if my friend was physically active. And so she knows she needs to be physically active. And we, and I'm like, but the problem is you can't just, you know, decide to walk a 5k you just go to the mailbox and come back. You've got, and she's like, but I, <laughs> she works from home. She's like, but that means I got to change my clothes. I'm like, I know. But the yes. thing is, it's the same with this. Like if you're stagnant, you've got to, you, it, it's, it's, you know, you got to put yourself in motion. Okay. And that's the hardest thing. Even in physics, they teach you to take something from being still to being in motion is the hardest transition. But once yes. you're in motion, you don't stop. And so get your clothes on and go walk to the mailbox and back. That's it. And then the next day, maybe go a little further, but you got to start slow and give yourself credit for doing it. That's the thing is instead of, I don't know why in, in, when we were 22 years old again, did you think you're going to be the CEO tomorrow? No, you knew you had right. to work your way up. So why is it now that we have to think, oh, well, I got to be the CEO tomorrow? No, it's the same thing. You got to build up and it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed right. to be fun. 
and here's the other thing that comes up for me is like, are you brave enough? This is the question for myself and for anyone listening. Are you brave enough to make those changes? Are you brave enough to say, this is what really lights me up now. And I know it's not what I did 20 years ago. You know, am I brave enough or am I capable enough to make that change? And some people can say yes. And some people can't. And you may have, you know, like I can't, I can't up and just blow it all up today because I got responsibilities, right? I got a mortgage payment. I got two kids to feed. I got the babies need new shoes, right? You know, you can't tomorrow just quit everything, Melissa, and start from scratch. You're going to have to do a gradual because you've got your son to take care of. You have right. another human being that is relying on you. And so there are some, but, but if, you can't talk yourself out of you it can't because talk yourself out of it, right? There yes. are incremental changes that you can make so that You've eventually it's a huge shift. But, yes. and I think that's where the crisis thing, that term comes up again, because if you really were in this transition of identity and you wanted to say, you know what, like mine would be, here's, here's the perfect example. Mine would be like, I want to go to culinary school. What if I just blew it all up and went to culinary school? Because I think that would be so cool to cook. Now, I don't necessarily want to um, be a chef in a restaurant, but I just would love to learn all of that, you know? So I'm like, okay, could I do it in midlife? Is it something that I'll do after my kids are gone and I don't have the responsibility of, you know, making sure to pay for them? Or could here's I the, just- Here's the thing. Here's right? the thing, If though. I was in midlife crisis, I would just go, ah, I'm going to quit and just do that now. <laughs> but, but there are some that feel that when you, so you can't stay safe either. Right. If, if you're going to be brave. And it's so scary. there's some people who believe that if you don't blow it up now, you know, again, I'm not suggesting now I was put in a position because I was laid off that I was put into a panic position there for a few months, but I never lost my cool. I, I because I got, you know what? I focused on what was happening that was right. And that means mm -hmm. I was home with my son. That means I got to do remote school with him. That means, you know what, if we have to, if we have to pack up the house and I got to, I got to file bankruptcy, my son is still alive and he's still with me and it's all good. Like there are things that are always happening that are right, but guess what didn't happen? I didn't file for bankruptcy. It got me motivated to find something. So the other thing is too, when you take a risk and you blow it up a little bit, like you, you can't stay safe because you won't right. be motivated to be successful at it. Exactly. So is, for some yes. people, it, it may be you quit and you start something fresh. Totally it, new, totally new totally career. New. Right. And, and then I also think about like just the culinary school or going to become a chef of some sort as an example. It's like, but what if I don't like that? Like, what if I just like cooking at home now and it would be a terrible career, right? Well, let me ask you, well, me ask you a question. At 22, you know, years, at 22 years old, if you'd gone to culinary school and didn't like it, what would you have done? Something, something else. else. Yeah. That's your answer. If you don't right. like it, you That's just true. do something else. Like, I also feel strongly about childhood cancer research and I'm now an advocate. You know, I got, you know, if you watch, yes. you watch this on YouTube, I've got my little uh, yellow, yellow ribbon, ribbon. Um, because because of our daughter Reese being a cancer survivor and everything we went through and how much that space needs attention. I've thought, what if I just quit it all and went and devoted my life to that area? You know, so there's a lot of different directions to go that would be like totally opposite of what I've done and working in radio and television and broadcasting that could go do something else. But I think that with responsibility and fear, it keeps you stuck. It keeps you stuck in that air. It keeps me anyway, so far 
in that same place of where I go, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Well, I, I think if I'm brave enough, but I feel like I'm like building up that courage. I think that, I think that the, we'll have to come up with a name. Maybe we get some suggestions from listeners, but I think that to, to finish up this conversation is to say, sit down and have a conversation with your 22 year old self. Just imagine mm, sitting down with your 22 year old self because your 22 year old self is going to ask questions about his future. And I, and I think that you need to also talk to your 22 year old self and absorb that energy, that excitement, that you were afraid, you were frustrated by money. All these things were happening at 22. Cause we look back with rose colored glasses. I was a sure. wreck at 22 years old <laughs> and I'm so much cooler now. And yeah. so my 22 year old self would look at me and th think, thank God, thank God. Like you mean you have a son, you mean you're out. You mean that the world accepted you for who you were. I mean, there's so many great things that you could tell your 22 year old self, but don't, you know, but ask your 22 year old self, what is it that excites you? It's freedom. It's the possibilities. It's the fact that I'm getting away from my parents. It's, you know, all just have that conversation and don't forget where you came from, but also don't forget where you're going. And that's the thing. You are going somewhere. You're not dead yet. So quit acting like you are. Mm hmm. And, and so what? You don't look the same in pictures. That's my, that, that irritates <laughs> the hell out of me. Irritates that because I'm like, I don't look like that. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there a friend of yours that would enjoy this episode? Please share this with her on Apple Podcasts. Look for those three dots at the top right corner. You click on those and then there's a drop down menu. Select share episode and then you can text it to a friend from right there. Okay. Melissa Carter. Yes. Are you ready to be in the hot seat? I am ready, ready, ready. I'm now, nervous. this is no, kind of not fair because you already know the questions coming at you. But let's But do I did not prepare. I didn't prepare. The Frenzy Five. I did you didn't not prepare? prepare? Really? No. Oh, good for I, you. Yeah. Okay. Number one, Melissa Carter, where is yes. your cozy, happy place? I think at the beach. I love the sound of the ocean. I just really, uh, I when I was seven years old, when I was my son's age, my parents, uh, we went to Miami for a business trip. And we went to the hotel and it was, we weren't checking in yet. And so I asked, oddly enough, I asked my parents, can I go outside? And I was by myself. Like again, seventies the kids, they just yeah. sent out. So I'm in Miami by myself. But anyway, I walked outside the hotel to the beach and I remember the first thought I had was, this is what heaven must look like. Just oh, love the beach. Wow. So I, you talk, in what part of my future has to be living at the beach. I want to end my life at the beach like you know and transition there but yes the the beach i just love the ocean awesome okay number two what's your favorite framed thing in your home i have a tennessee hat a ut hat uh signed by a bunch of ut players and the reason it's my favorite thing is because we were working in morning radio and I had had my kidney transplant. I was out of work for a few months. Thus, Jen Hobby, that's how we got, we met because she filled in for I filled me. filled in for Melissa. And, and then I just never left. <laughs> I was she, like that growth on your foot. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't get her away. Me. <laughs> there she still is. No, but, um, and so uh, one of the things I missed was the Peach Bowl, which UT, and it happens in Atlanta, UT comes. So the very next year, I decided I'm going to volunteer with CHOA 
uh, Children's Health Care of Atlanta, um, where when the Peach Bowl happens, football players come to the hospital and they go around the ward and they give kids signed things from the team. Tennessee happened to come back. I was like, absolutely. I held the Sharpies. I held the hats. I was walking around the halls. Didn't think twice about it. I remember there were some rooms where the kids weren't there because they were being tested for something. And so we would leave the hat. Okay, no big deal. And then I didn't think about it. Then I got an email. Um, (laughs) This will make me cry. I got an email from one of the kids' brothers who said that his sister had passed away from cancer and that one of the last things that she wanted was for me to have that hat Mm -hmm. because she knew I was a Tennessee fan and she was a listener. And so I told him, I said, well, I gave her that hat. Like she must have not been there. And then she had no idea that I had been in the hospital to give those hats away. She just knew. And I thought a dying teenager thought of me and wanted to give me something. So I have that email and that hat framed in my house. Beautiful. So beautiful. Oh, I love that. Okay. (laughs) Number three, what's your most memorable birthday? My 50th, because that's when the shit hit the fan. (laughs) (laughs) And not because I turned 50, but I went to Key West for my 50th birthday. And the day we got back from Key West was when shutdown started. Friday, March 13th. COVID was rolling in, right? COVID was rolling in. I can't (laughs) believe I took that trip, but my birthday's on March 11th. We got back on March 13th. I went to pick up my son from the airport. When I got to the airport, went to pick up my son, and I got home, and I was home for a year and a half after that. So So my 50th was the most memorable birthday because we got to the airport in Key West and everybody was in masks. And we said to ourselves, what are we going home to? And we learned pretty quickly. There it was. I'm so glad you got away. (laughs) Number four, what's a daily routine or ritual you stick to? Uh, Two things. I walk, um, going back to just staying active, staying because I'm not athletic. I don't find peace in a gym. I, I can't, I I have to talk myself into doing anything physical. Um, because my family, my parents were, but they weren't by the time I came along. So I do really think that parents, you need to understand that you're an influence on your children's physical activity. And we were such couch potatoes that I, I, it's hard for me. So my son is active all the time. Um, cause I don't want him to be like me like that. So anyway, I walk and I also do Reiki cause I'm a Reiki master. And um, so I do Reiki as well. Okay. I know we're not supposed to ask follow-up questions, but what, <laughs> what is Reiki? Reiki is energy work. And so my hip dippy self, one of the things I have done for myself as I've been older is to take the courses in order to become a Reiki master. I only do it on myself. I don't use it for business purpose. I don't do Reiki on other people. I did it just to heal myself. But, but like, what is work. it? Like, what do you do? You tap on yourself or what? It's not what tap. It's, it's, it's just a more like, um, it, it's like energy that kind of comes from your hands. You don't touch, but it's like it, it, it kind of permeates from your, your body to someone else's body. And you tap into that internal energy that kind of keeps you young and healthy. Okay. When we have our <laughs> retreat, you got to teach some Reiki. I'll teach some Reiki. All right. I'll okay. explain Reiki. Okay. Yes. When we eventually can be, all be in person, <laughs> yes, then we'll do the some frenzy Reiki retreat is going to have a Reiki session because I need to figure out what in the world this is. Okay. okay. I'm going to start Googling Reiki. How do you even spell it? I don't know. It's, yes. R-E-I-K-I. It's a, okay. it's a, well, there you go. Japanese. Um, I mean, because it's a, it's Eastern, it's Eastern medicine. So it's Eastern Neat. medicine. Okay. All right. And finally, number five <laughs> of the frenzy five, what fashion trend did you jump on? Honey prep. 
prep, 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 uh, 80s, the preppy movement. I don't know if you're old oh, enough to remember. Oh, yeah, like the pop collar. Yes. In the 80s, there was the preppy handbook. And that, I mean, if you Google really? that, if you Google the original preppy handbook, those are going for $600, like $1,000. Like that was the it thing. And so it's the pink and the green. It's the, uh, let's see, what other color? A navy and pink. It was, oh, I mean, it was the plaid skirts, long skirts. It was the sweaters, it was the embroidery. It was the, I mean, the polo shirts, it was the eyes <laughs> odd. It was, I I had uh, what called dock siders. I don't, they call them boat shoes now. They were called yeah. dock siders back in the day. I had penny loafers. I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I cannot picture it. I really honey, cannot. I, that here, I know because here's <laughs> the thing getting into radio, you're so you don't, you're not expected to dress up. So I dressed down so much of my career, but I'm telling you, honey, in high school, I was fashionista. It, it is amazing. So I had col- different colored pants. I had, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, Yes, I had the eyes. I made, um, I would paint eyes on barrettes. We had the barrettes. Oh I mean, I had, I had alligator earrings. I mean, preppy, <laughs> total. Pre- and, and I noticed that we're kind of skipping over that. I noticed that we're kind of going into 90 styles. And it's like, wait a second. I've wait, been waiting for prep that- to come. Where's the pink thing. and green? Yes, I want my, uh, oh the jackets my with the patches. Honey, Yes. But I so did. Good. I was all about it. Oh, green and yellow. There was the. It was a green and yellow combination. I mean, I had the turtlenecks and the sweaters. And oh, yes. <laughs> at sixteen, honey, I had style. I haven't had it the rest of my life. But at sixteen, <laughs> I had style. That is awesome. Did not think you were going to say that. <laughs> all right. So here is a reminder to share your story. I mean, I still tell stories on this show that Jen Hobby, who I've been friends with for 20 years, <laughs> yes. does not know, which is hilarious. I have to send you pictures. I need oh. the preppy pictures for sure. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> you need to open up uh, and share your story because um, you need to share it with people you trust, obviously, so that you can be vulnerable because that's the key to good storytelling. But your story matters. You matter. So don't forget that. And Melissa has got this week's mirror mantra. All right, so I'm going to keep this brief, but here is your mirror mantra for this week. I will apologize to my body. Oh. Because think about all the things that you have said negative to your body. Okay, here we are at our age. We're probably doing it more now than we have before, or at least at the same rate. We're just complaining about different things. But as a woman, Probably since you were a teenager, up until your 40s and your 50s and your 60s and your 70s, you have criticized your body. And think about if anybody talked to you the way you talk to yourself, you would not be their friend. If anybody talked to your child the way that you talk to yourself, you would do everything you can to complain to their parents, to complain to that kid, to the school, to make sure that stopped. But somehow you don't protect yourself from yourself. So what I want you to do this week is I want you to apologize to your body. I want you to stand in the mirror naked, coming out of the shower or the bath. I want you to apologize. I am sorry Mm -hmm. for all the hateful things, hateful things, cruel things I have said to you, and I will do better in the future. So good. That is awesome. Thank you, Melissa. All right. We want you to check out our Frenzy YouTube channel with videos and extended interviews. Just head over to YouTube and search the Frenzy podcast. We'll pop up right there. That's right. And I'm telling you, if you will watch the videos and you'll subscribe to the YouTube channel, then we can have our own customized web 
you know, it could be YouTube slash the frenzy our, our vanity link. Yes. But the thing is with YouTube, they don't give that to you until you have more subscribers. So hint, hint, go ahead and subscribe to us so that you don't miss a video. Plus we want you to follow us on the socials. The frenzy is friend with a Z Y follow us on Instagram. Uh, and you can follow us on uh, Facebook as well. That's right. And please sign up for our weekly email. We are going to send the episode right to your inbox. We include links to things that we talk about, give you some deeper insights to things. You can find up today at the friends sign up today at thefrenzy.com. What did I say? Is it, did it, I say sign up? Is it easy for you to say you got your Invisalign in? We talked no. about that last week. <laughs> Failing still. <laughs> Thanks to listeners who subscribe to our email list at thefrenzy.com or frenzy.com if you're again <laughs> with her Invisalign. I'm not, you know what, and I, that's not fair because if you are somebody who legitimately has a lisp, I'm not making fun of you, I promise. Uh, three new names, Cheryl Beach, Audrey Lipscomb, and Karen Bove. We thank you so much, and they don't know that we're saying their names. We just pay attention. And remember, The Frenzy Now has a private Facebook group. It's a safe community where we can celebrate friendships over 40 and make some new friends. So make sure you sign up for the email list because that is the only way to get the invite. That's right. The Frenzy, hosted and produced by Melissa Carter and Jen Hobby. And sound editing by Bo Johnson. Original soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Mark Daniels. The Frenzy celebrates friendships over 40. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. We love your friendship. Until next week, I want you to trust your gut, share your story, and stop lying about, about your age. You're <laughs> beautiful as you are. Put it back on that resume, Willis Carter. I know, I know. I'm glad you pointed that out. I violated my own rule. <laughs> we'll see you next week.